Welcome to the Revolutionary Stewardship Podcast. I'm your host, J.D. Shears, a pastor, certified kingdom advisor, certified stewardship instructor, and an investment advisor representative. We will be discussing topics such as biblically responsible investing, estate planning, and wealth transfer that will benefit you as an obedient steward. Christianity is revolutionary. Shouldn't your stewardship be as well? This broadcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. My wife and I are currently in the process of making some pretty major life changes. Uh, The first thing that we want to do is downsize. The house that we live in is too large for us, even though I raised a family here. We're just heating and cooling a lot of empty space, and it just doesn't make sense anymore. The second thing we want to do is we want to relocate. Now, I'm currently setting in southwest Indiana. You know, the summers are hot, the winters are very cold. My wife is was born and raised in Salvador, Brazil. So she's not a big fan of the sub-zero weather that, that Indiana can can provide uh, in December, January, February time frame. She, she kind of likes the snow, but... Above and beyond that, she's like, ah, I just, you know, I don't do well. If it's not, you know, 78 or 80 degrees in the house, she's she's just freezing to death. So we both agreed that, yes, we, we, we both would love to relocate. We both love the ocean. We love the coastal areas. So over the last year, we've spent a lot of time traveling and looking at different areas. I, I'm very structured. I like to research. I like to know what's going on because when we relocate, my ministry goes with me. I, I'm not going to stop. I'm not never going to retire. Uh, and this ministry, this this faith-based financial planning firm provides our income. So there, there's a lot of variables involved there. I've got to be in the right place. I've got to, you know, I've got to stick my big toe in the water and and see if it feels right. My wife is very off the off the off the hip kind of decision making. She's like, I, I love this area. Jay, buy me a house here. So, but I don't work like that. But my point of this, this topic is this. So as we are traveling these areas, we spent some time in, in Pensacola and Gulf Breeze, a couple different trips there last year, uh, Ocala, uh, Florida. Uh, just last week we were in Charleston, South Carolina. I love Charleston. I, I really do. I love the history. Uh, I love the conservative uh, mindset in, in Charleston. Uh, we spent a Half a day, uh, two hours north uh, of there, uh, Surfside, Myrtle Beach area. I've got a couple of uh, daughters and, and three grandkids in South Carolina. So we spent two or three days uh, visiting them. Um, but as we are doing our research and, and just looking at the, the cost of homes in particular areas, I, the, the area around, like, for example, Surfside Beach in South Carolina is considerably cheaper than... Uh, some of the properties around Charleston, um, Florida is the same thing. I've got a, a very good friend in, in uh, uh, southern southwest Florida, Naples area, um, and, and those homes are very pricey. But one rule that I've set in this decision-making process is we are not going to accumulate any additional debt at, at my age. So my wife is younger than I am, not much, but uh, I'm 53 and the last thing I want to do is, is pick up a, a, a long-term mortgage. So my deal was, okay, we can relo- or relocate and we can go south, but we're going to pay cash for a house. If that means we, we have to buy a, a house that's, that's maybe not what you had in mind, but, you know, adequate, you know, provides a roof over our head, uh, you know, is it going to fall down when the wind blows? 
but something more uh, more simple but something we can afford to not accumulate any debt in the process then that's what we're going to do and, and my wife is on board with that uh she's like yeah yeah we don't need a big house jay and and i understand not wanting to accumulate any debt but as we're driving around looking at these places we we visited an area just north of charleston called isle of the palms uh, isle of the palms uh, and some of those homes there were just incredibly beautiful and massive. Um, I don't know how many square feet they were. I'm guessing five, six, seven, eight thousand square foot uh, setting on the beach. <clears throat> so my wife starts Googling uh, the real estate for sale in that, that coastal community. The homes are four, five, six million dollars. And... It, it really started the process of me thinking, okay, Jay, this is something you're going to talk about on one of your podcasts. Because you don't see 20 and 30 year olds buying those homes. And I've been a financial planner for 24 years. I'll be hitting, actually, this is uh, September. It's been 24 years exactly. Uh, so I'm enter, entering into my 25th year. There's not that kind of money around. Uh, the number of homes that that are in those areas, yeah, you're going to, you know, I've spent some time uh, doing some speaking in the in Southamptons, uh, you know, Long Island area, and you see some entertainers and, and professional athletes buying homes there. Uh, one of the Mannings, um, you know, had a home there. I mean, you, you see it. But when you get into these coastal communities, there are a lot of homes that are one, two, three million dollars. And I know, because I'm in the business, that those people are not paying cash for those homes. They're borrowing money. And you know that it's not 20 and 30 year old kids buying those homes. That is not where you raise a family. And it's alarming to me that, number one, that people would go into debt at an older age. Okay? And, and buying these extravagant homes um, and maybe not even living in them, just renting them out. You know, I, I don't know every particular situation. And I don't want to be judgmental in the process. But it really leads me into the conversation that I want to discuss today. And it's the, the word is insolvency. Okay? So when I think of insolvency, I think of entertainers because they're in the limelight. And I think of Sammy Davis Jr. So most people our age, in their 50s and 60s, know Sammy Davis Jr. He's a wonderful entertainer, just a brilliant man. Uh, but he made some really bad business uh, decisions. His estate is insolvent. And insolvency means this, that you owed more money at your death than what you were worth. Okay, and that's that's the case with, with Sammy Davis Jr. He owed the IRS. He owed a lot of different debts. He made some really bad uh, contract deals. He, they took advantage of him, which I find it hard to believe, but it, it happened. So his estate is, is insolvent, which means they're paying creditors after his death. All right. So let's talk about insolvency. Insolvency, it, to, to break it down, is you owe more money than what you're worth at your death. How do you owe more money than what you're worth at your death? Well, you, you probably have borrowed money. Okay. You have mortgages. You know, you, you may have car loans, you may have business debt. There's just a number of variables that can be included in insolvency. And here's, here's the thing. Most people in their 20s and 30s are insolvent. Okay, 
without the use of leveraged money, they are insolvent. Now let me explain without the use of leveraged money. Leveraging money is is using life insurance. Okay, so leveraging means you know I, I pay a dollar and I get five dollars in life insurance. Okay, you've leveraged, which is which is extremely intelligent. All right, as, as a, a person that's trying to be a good steward, there's nothing wrong with with leveraging money and util, utilizing life insurance. But as we age, th- this is what strikes me: as we age, the number of people that I see that are utilizing debt at in their sixties and seventies really scares me. Okay, now back when the interest rates started to drop so 2008 time period you know they they took the interest rates really low because they made a lot of just a lot of the the united states uh the banks i mean they were they were giving mortgages to people who didn't have jobs i mean it was just incredible but we got into a financial uh nightmare we had the mortgage bubble burst 2008 the the economy fell to pieces it's not like we didn't see it coming but they they reduced the rates and i had elderly clients in their 70s Asking me my opinion about refinancing their homes. I'm like, well, why? Why would you do that? Well, Jay, they're offering us, you know, two and a half percent. I said, no, they're not. They're not offering you two and a half percent. That that doesn't make sense. I said, let me see the paperwork. So I look at the paperwork, and they were interest only loans, which means that that no principal was included in the payback. They were just paying the interest on two. Three, four hundred thousand dollar refinance. I'm like, this is criminal that these these companies, these mortgage companies, are doing this. And I, I talked to several uh, of these clients out of that. I'm like, it, it, when it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true, right? You know, they, they were looking at, well, we've got this two hundred fifty thousand dollar home. We can, you know, we can take some some cash out and we can reduce our mortgages. Um, I'm like, you're not paying anything back. I said, what happens when you die? Well, I, I guess our kids are just going to have to figure it out. That, that's, a, that's, that's terrible planning. Okay, it's just, just, it's just terrible planning. But as, as we look at this insolvency issue, it, I don't know if people understand what happens when you die. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about going to heaven or hell. I'm talking about from a financial standpoint, what happens when you die? So your estate has to be settled. Okay, and each state is different, but you're looking at different categories of creditors and, and, and people you'll money to. Some people think, well, you know, I've got uh, $100,000 uh, mortgage and I've got this that, you know, I, I don't even know if people actually look at, have ever averaged up what they owe and what's left. Okay, and I'm telling you, each state is different, but normally federal government. Uh, Internal Revenue Service has priority. So if you owe anything to the the IRS, they're going to be one of the the first people in line to start collecting. And there are about six categories, but guess who number six is? All right, so the the people last in line to get anything from your estate are normally the people that you that 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 you say I, I love my my wife, my children, my grandchildren. Other people have to be paid first. And I don't know if people have actually sat down and, and figured up what is left after the estate is settled. It's incredible, uh, just incredible to me that, that people 
are not putting any planning into their solvency or insolvency. The number of people that I speak to in their 50s that are insolvent is alarming. I'm like, well, how, how is this going to happen? They're like, well, you know, our mortgage is going to be paid off in uh, another 10 or 15 years. Uh, I'm like, well, well you got to live that long. You understand? You, you have to live 10 or 15 years for your mortgage to be paid off because, you're, you know, you got to be alive to work and you got to be alive to earn an income. What if you died today? Well, you know, uh, my, my wife could sell the house. Well, is that guaranteed? You know, I know houses that are sitting on the market for two or three years. So what's going to happen is your wife's going to lose the house in foreclosure. Okay, there's so many different things here. And here's where it really what I want you to, to, to kind of key in on. There are three people, especially as you age. So when you're about 40, 45, and you're starting to become empty nesters and the children are out of the home, you really need three different people in your life. And, and scripture is pretty explicit about using several advisors. Okay. But I would recommend everyone have a financial planner, a CPA, and an attorney in their life. Now, I'm going to add a caveat to that is they must be a biblically responsible, God-honoring advisor. It has to be biblical advice. I'm not talking about someone who goes to church. I'm talking about someone who's giving financial stewardship advice based on scripture. That, that is a prerequisite. But start your planning and start working towards being a responsible steward. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you have a CPA, a financial planner, and an attorney... You're probably going to have a will in place. Okay, some people may need a trust depending on their needs. There's not that many people that need a trust. Let me let me put that out there. I'm going to make a lot of attorneys mad who are in a, that are estate planners. They're going to say, "Jay, everyone needs a trust." No, they don't. Not everyone needs a trust. Um, my my explanation of a trust is grasp beyond the grave. Do you need grasp beyond the grave? Not everyone does. Okay. But those three advisors are going to assist you in, in taking you to a, or putting you in a position or helping you position yourself to number one, be solvent. Okay. Number two, be content. Number three, be a good steward. Okay. Making sure that you're providing for your family in accordance with 1 Timothy 5 8. Take care of your family, especially those of your immediate household. All right. And making sure that, that, <clears throat> It isn't a, a, a just a catastrophe at your death. And that's what I see. Okay, 24 years in this business, I'm, I'm seeing the catastrophes. All right. L let me throw this in there. People are choosing executors based on uh, just really no consideration. Well, I'm going to name my, my, you know, my daughter or my son as the executor. It may be a good choice, may not be a good choice. Some people aren't, haven't even considered who their executor is going to be. All right, Some people are, are, are naming friends as, as executors. I, I want to explain something to you. If you name a friend as an executor and you have IRS debt and that executor doesn't pay the creditors in, in accordance with what the, the, the statutes are at the time, can be held personally responsible or personally liable for example, the, 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 the executor may say, well, you know, there's $75,000 in the estate. I'm going to give that to the, my, my friend's wife. And there may be $80,000 of IRS debt. 
Uh, if they do that, they, they can actually be held personally liable. So you've got to put a, a lot of thought into all of these different planning aspects. And I'm not trying to scare you today. I'm trying to say, listen, you've got to have some planning. Okay. Especially once you hit about that 40 year mark. Now, I'm not saying that, that uh, a 25 year old doesn't need planning. I'm just saying that the, the uh, in-depth planning aspects, normally you don't see them until someone number one, uh, is in their 40s and 50s. Even though I think everyone needs a will. And I think everyone should look at their solvency. Okay. So let me explain life insurance just real quick. You know, I mentioned leveraging life insurance. Life insurance is what makes an estate solvent. That you have enough money to pay your bills, to pay your debt. That's that's the purpose of it. You know, when you're younger, you're probably going to be looking at term insurance. Okay. Uh, to make sure that the mortgage, you don't want to leave a mortgage to your spouse. You just don't. You don't want to leave debt to your surviving spouse. Especially if there are young children involved. You just don't. You want to make sure that there's enough uh, cash there that they can invest into something conservative that would provide an income and, uh, for the rest of their lives. Or, you know, maybe sending your, uh, your children to college. There's just so many things. But life insurance is almost always included in that conversation to make your estate solvent. Because most people without life insurance... Their estate is not solvent. And I, listen, I understand a lot of people, the, the majority of their assets is in a 401k or retirement plan. To say, well, that's, that's what I'm going to use to be solvent is, is actually not that great of a plan. Because you're using taxable money when you could be using tax-free money. It just doesn't make any sense. You know, a lot of people don't want to pay premiums. Well, I'm telling you right now, stop being a knucklehead. All right. Yeah, that's a little harsh, but I've got to be a little harsh because I'm tired of hearing people saying I'm not buying life insurance because my wife is just going to go blow it on on whatever. Listen, that that is that is complete and utter nonsense. Okay, use life insurance as a leverage. Use life insurance as a leverage to make your estate number one tax efficient and solvent. It's that simple. You know, we look at the, at these horror stories of like the Sammy Davis Jr. I mean, I don't know how long, Sam, I haven't researched, uh, I, I could Google it real quick, but I don't know how long Sammy Davis has been dead. It hasn't been that long, but his estate is still paying bills. And his, his surviving family, guess what they got? Zero. Zero. Nada. Nothing. Okay? You think that's what Sammy Davis Jr. wanted? I doubt it. Okay, I doubt, I doubt that's what you want. Here's my advice to you. Here's my advice to you. I don't care what age you are. You need to sit down and look at your, your assets versus liabilities. Your goals, your aspirations, what are you trying to do? And put it together. All right? And figure out how to accomplish that. A lot of people can't do that on their own. That's not, there's nothing wrong with not being able to do it on your own. You need to ask for help. But the problem is a lot of people want to ask for it. They procrastinate because they're going to live forever. They'll figure it out when they're 65. Once again, utter nonsense. As a military policeman, I, I could tell you that everyone that I pulled out of a vehicle, a, a, a fatal car accident, uh, or even losing some, some of my, my dear friends uh, in combat, not everyone dies when they're 80. Okay. Yeah, when your when your numbers up, your numbers up. 
You need to be prepared for it, number one, from a salvation standpoint. You need to be you need to be able to answer in the affirmative. Do you know where you're going to go when you die? You know, you got to be able to ask, you you've got to know that you're going to heaven. Okay, that that's priority. Number two, that you're not leaving a complete uh, barn fire for your family to deal with after you're gone. If you want to talk about it, I'd love to talk to you about it. I would love to talk to you about it. You can find our contact information at kingdomplanadvisory.com. Kingdomplanadvisory.com. I cannot stress enough that unless it's God's plan, it's not the right plan. Unless it's God's plan, it's not the right plan. Okay, God has given us over 2,300 scriptures to tell us how to handle money. How to, how to deal with these things. Alright? Let's have that conversation. Let's have that conversation. At KingdomPlanAdvisory.com, you can sign up for our newsletter. You can sign up for a free consultation. You can do a number of things. But please stop procrastinating. I Listen, I don't know whether you know this or not. Okay? It's not a secret anymore, so I'm, I'm not going to speak behind closed doors. Mortality is 100%, people. You're not getting out of here alive. You need to figure out what's going to happen when you die. Okay? You've got to figure that out. Not tomorrow. Not next Tuesday. You have to you have to live and plan like you're on borrowed time because you may be and not know it. You may be in overtime right now and not know it. So stop just stop procrastinating, please. Because I have personally witnessed and I, I, I can't even count the number of times over the last quarter of a century as a financial planner, the disasters that are left left behind because of lack of planning or zero planning. You know, that that comment, well, I've got life insurance at work. Yeah, that may be one times your salary. Once again, that's not planning. You need to plan for solvency. You need to plan for provision. Okay, you need, there's just so many things. Once again, I would love to talk to you about it. All right? I don't bite. You know, I'm not going to make you feel bad because you haven't got anything in place yet. Okay? <clears throat> it's just simple things like just reviewing beneficiaries. The number of people that have their beneficiaries all just out of out of whack on their their qualified assets, you know, their retirement plans, their life insurance. It, it, it's just good to have an advisor, a non-biased advisor, take a look at it. So please, sign up for a consultation. I'd be happy to talk to you. I'll get you on the schedule. And and let's, let's figure this out together. We can figure this out together. I, I'm telling you. So God bless you. I'm praying that you make the right decision. The right decision is, number, number one, making sure that you're using God's plan. For your financial stewardship. And number two, I'm praying that you that you get off get off the sofa and make an attempt to ask for the help, to ask for the guidance, pray through it, and get something in place. Get something in place for the people that you love. So God bless you. 
I look forward to speaking to you. Thank you for listening to Revolutionary Stewardship. I encourage you to visit KingdomPlanAdvisory.com to read our latest articles and sign up for our monthly newsletter. If you would like to arrange a free stewardship consultation, please schedule on our website or you may call 888-226-7614. Securities offered through Vanderbilt Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered with MSRB. Advisory services offered through Vanderbilt Advisory Services. God bless.